Sammy. And Mandy. And you're listening to Ice Cream Sunday, where we talk about whatever we want under the guise of horror movies. Yes. (laughs) And today we're doing part two of our, now what we're doing, like pair movies with similar themes. Mm -hmm. And um, we decided to go meta. So if you haven't listened to uh, Cabin in the Woods yet, go listen to that episode as well. But today we're talking about Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yay! Yeah, and I hadn't seen this one, so I was excited to to watch something new. Yeah, which Freddy movies have you seen? Um, I think I've seen the first three. Okay. Yeah, and that's all I, you really need to watch, other than this one. <laughs> right. Well, and I w- I did some reading after watching this one and found out some stuff about some of the newer Freddy movies that actually really disappointed me. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, why did they do that? Why did they? Well, I mean, well, maybe we could just get into it now since this yeah. is kind of so. So this movie is like a meta exploration of the Freddy series. And we've got um, the actress who played like one of the main characters in the original Freddy movies as herself, mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> with like a fake family, but <laughs> yeah, but still as as herself. Um, but one of the things that I found interesting, I found this article that was like talking about like origin stories for different characters in slasher movies, you know, and it's like. In Friday the 13th, we kind of get that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, Halloween, there was like a little more of a reveal in later movies going into his childhood. And yeah. then like the new Halloween talks about it a little bit more too. Um, but what I thought was interesting is, I mean, we get a story about Freddy like right in the first movie mm-hmm. that explains, I mean, like you don't, need, I don't think you need to explain anymore. But what I heard was now I'm trying to remember which one it was. They said it was like a 2009 Oh, the one with um, Jackie Earl Haley as uh, Freddy. So, like Freddy's Return, was it or no? It was just a. No. I think was it just a reboot of the first one? I think is what you're thinking oh, of. Yeah. Maybe okay, yeah, maybe because I had heard that they like decided to reinvent it and then turn him into like a child molester, and I was like, why? It's not so much a reinvention. That was actually. Um, I believe Wes Craven's original intent, but it was deemed too dark. And so they kept him as a child killer. Ah, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Well, I mean, I want to know what you, what was interesting because it's like, we've done so much um, ranting and raving on our own (laughs) social media profiles about like the weird. And depending on when you're listening to this, I don't, you know, you might be seeing this still. I don't know, but just all of the weird, uh, not resurgence, but like weird emphasis on child trafficking, but very yes. specific stories and very like specific concerns that kind of ignore, well, not kind of, I'm being nice. They completely ignore all of the, like st- all of the things that organizations that work to fight child trafficking have been talking yeah. about for years and just like never really get the press about it and now everybody's like Wayfair is is selling kids but they look like cabinets and you know like just you know this troll doll is subversive and I'm like (laughs) wait what do you what (laughs) like and they're like we need to save the children and I'm like oh but not the children in cages 
or, you know, or the ones that have been, you know, people have been trying to say for years that you don't know anything about. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Then they're like, yeah, save our children. I'm like, well, with with what? Memes. (laughs) That's all I had. (laughs) Angry, angry Instagram videos from moms at Walmart is going to save everything. Yeah. Um, so it's, anyway, so it's really interesting because a lot of, so, and and I, I've been ranting a lot about QAnon lately because I'm like, it started as like, I saw it as a joke in 2016, 2017. I was like, this is a joke. Yeah. Um, because they're saying that like these very famous, you know, Democrats are using like a pizza place as a front to like kidnap children. Like, that sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they're like, um, when you dive deeper, then they're like, yeah, because they like to eat kids. And you're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, and they like their blood. But it's a, it's very strange because it's like, wow, you know, Freddie, I mean, in that reinvention or maybe uh-huh. in the yeah, original Wes Craven intent, um, he is like QAnon's dream. Like... <laughs> Yeah. And I hate to say dream because I realize now <laughs> that is uh, way too dead on. Right. But um, he's like exactly the type of character that they would be warning about, like because he's not just like molesting kids, but he's also like killing them and is obviously very bloodthirsty. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, those are like the Democrats that you <laughs> yeah. think exist or whatever. Um, and I so like, I- yeah. I was just going to say I'd like to um, – a very, very – and I've been, like, sh- trying to shove people in this direction for over a week now. If you want, like, a really thorough uh, demystification – is that a word? Um, yeah. Of the whole QAnon Wayfair phenomenon as well as, like, a thorough breakdown of human trafficking statistics, I'm going to push you right into um, the podcast you're wrong about. And they have – They did one episode, uh, I think, a year or so back about um, human trafficking. And then because of this resurgence, did another follow-up. Listen to it. It's great. They have the same theme song as us by Total Accident. Yeah, I had no idea. So um, way to use free music archive you're wrong about. I know where you got that from. (laughs) Um, The other (laughs) – the other, I, and I'm actually writing this down, so I'll make sure to add links to the description of this podcast so you can get there easily. Um, the other one that I would urge you to listen to is Reply All. And they they were the first people I heard cover Pizzagate, you know, okay. back in like 2016, 2017, whenever that was. Um, and so they explained the whole Pizzagate thing and what it meant. And so they have been like, Every once in a while. So it started as a podcast about the internet, but it's gotten a lot bigger than that. They really just talk about like human nature. And um, every once in a while, they'll they'll talk about like a QAnon thing. And so I've been following since they brought it to my attention. And in the last episode or one of the last episodes they published, depending on when you're listening to this, um, they also covered... Uh, the Wayfair stuff. Um, I'm. I don't know. I'm guessing they'll probably do an update on their next episode about some of the other things that are happening. Uh, but they had Jason Mansukas on the show. He's a guest of the show a lot, and they they do this thing called like Yes Yes No, where 
they'll share a tweet that sounds really confusing because there's like layers and layers of references on it. (laughs) And like, and it was all about like the QAnon Wayfair stuff. So definitely an interesting breakdown, more comedic probably Mm -hmm. than you're wrong about, but, um, but just kind of like tapping into the absurdity that I'm now like, oh, this isn't a joke. We got to take it seriously because people are taking it seriously. And now we got fucking QAnon reps in In Georgia in government. (laughs) Yeah, that's scary. So, so yeah. So it's, you know, that's how they kind of get through. I think you're just like, oh, LOL, that's so funny. And then you're like, oh, God, oh, no. Yeah. Um, so the episode I'm talking about, or the most recent episode I'm talking about, is called The Mold and the Beautiful, because they also talk about, um, it's episode 165, but it, they also talk about this mold that was on this jam. And uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but not to get too, too sidetracked, I thought that that was interesting, because, uh, yeah, I haven't watched any like Nightmare on Elm Street movies in a long time. I mean, it's probably been at least like, and I, I, when I say a long time, it's probably been at least five years since I've watched one. Um, and since I first watched one even longer, but, um, so I'm like, okay, I need to refresh my memory. There's of course a couple scenes that, uh, really stick out for me in the original movies, including ones that they, you know, kind of recreated, or I felt like they were recreating in this movie, but I know that you're more of an aficionado than I am. So if I miss any, um, please uh, jump yeah. in. <laughs> Gotta push up my Freddy nerd glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that would be really helpful. Uh, so, so yeah, I don't know if we need to necessarily go beat for beat, but I do have a lot of notes. Um, yeah. but you know what? I don't know I, what makes this movie. I was like trying to describe this movie to my boyfriend last night because I told him, you know, I was like, we're going to record. And, you know, he's like, well, how was the movie? And what did you think? And um, I always I always think it's interesting how these meta movies approach the story because it is I mean, it's interesting how many movies have done this and how many books have done this where it's like, oh, my life is a script or my life is a movie. Mm-hmm. And um, while I, I have, a, I have a strong opinion for which one is my, I have a favorite video game and a favorite movie that do this. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can say the video game without being a spoiler for the video game. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does it rhyme with? Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, Oh God, it's, There doesn't rhyme with anything without it being a giveaway. I'll just listen. If you're not interested in knowing what video game I'm talking about, just skip forward 30 seconds. Um, It's the Stanley parable. Okay. uh, That is very it's it's like you're living inside of a script of your own life. Um, Yeah, it's very it's a very good game. It's a very short game. It's like an hour. Um, But it's very satisfying. Okay, if you were skipping, uh, you can come back now. And <laughs> the uh, the other one that I was thinking, and now I'm, oh, now I'm like, I always forget. I think it's called, yeah, Stranger Than Fiction. I think Stranger Than Fiction did that type of thing better than a lot of movies and books have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't watched that in a while. And this movie made me think of it. And I was like, oh, man, I got to watch that movie again. It was really good. Like, I, did you ever watch it? 
Um, I've heard of it and I've been intrigued by it. I just, it's never crossed my path. Okay. I won't say too much about it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it's a, it's a fantastic movie. And one thing that I also really like about it, besides just the way that the story is organized is, um, the, cause, cause he starts to hear like a narrator in his head and that, that shows up pretty early. So I, I'm not giving away too much. Um, but he has like animations of like the cal he's like a he's he uh i think he works for the irs uh-huh. um yeah he's an auditor and he sees like all of these like you see these animations of calculations going on in his head that kind of follow him around and the things he's thinking and it's like it's designed in a really interesting way but anyway so those are kind of for me like top of the list of this type of movie or this type of way of telling a story um, but it can, I feel like it always gets confusing, just like time travel, you know, kind of like looper or <laughs> whatever, you know, where you're like, well, how, what are the rules and how does she have any free will in this? Or like, how would the, I guess a lot of my questions about the movie kind of stem from that, like how Wes Craven writing it is affecting the way it goes and, and Heather's choices in the movie. So I feel like I can't talk about how the movie goes without bringing that up first. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Am I thinking too deeply? Maybe I'm thinking too deeply. So you're referring to the ending where she finds the script, right? Yeah, I'm referring to the ending where she finds the script because it's like, okay, we we find out kind of midway through, and and I and I hate to be going in a weird order, but this is a kind of confusing movie. But like, we find out midway through that Wes Craven is writing a script, and there are a lot of indications in the script that that he is writing the things that are happening in her life. Mm-hmm. So he's having this nightmare, and and and. Like the first time they talk about it, they're like, he's right in the middle of the script. And we're like, well, we're right in the middle of this movie, which uh-huh. is presumably the script that he's writing. Um, but but he's so what I'm wondering is, like, how far ahead was he or was he writing at the same pace as her life and his night? He was just dictating her nightmares and her actions. Was he? Yeah. Like, was he seeing what she was doing and she had? um free will and could make the decision um or did he manifest it into being because there's two different that's two different types of this kind of story yeah um and they don't really explain that except you would they kind of indicate at the end where where he like thanks her for going through it and doing it that she was the one in control and that he was just following and writing it down mm-hmm. um so, hmm. yeah but, so but do when, you think – oh, go ahead. No, sorry. But when she opened the script, it was happening – it had already been written and it was happening as she was reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you understand my question, right? Yes. Okay. And yeah, there, he, he, I, I don't think I have an easy answer for you. <laughs> Andy, um, you're the – you're. come on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, because um, – because there's always there was that that scene where like they're talking about the script and it happened like um right after that thing had happened with 
her son. And they're like, yeah, that's real messed up him having that happen to her son after it had already happened. But then like at the end, like you said, she found the script and like the dialogue was there and then the dialogue happened. Right. So, so that's why I'm like, okay, is he, so like in this universe, Wes Craven is God as he would probably like, and, (laughs) and he's dictating what's happening, but he's still allowing his minions to believe that they have free will. I, yeah, I think Wes Craven is God in this. Just thinking about like, I don't know, the ego of a male writer who's had a relative amount of success in Hollywood up until that point. That tracks. Yeah, right. Okay. So that's how I'm interpreting this movie um, is the point. Like, they are his pawns. (laughs) But he is is giving them, um, like, fake indications of power. Yeah. Like, you know, like making a dog executive vice president um, <laughs> like Mr. Burns would do because this dog is a hero. Um, yeah. So like that kind of a thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we actually so we start the movie. I, I actually really, really liked the way this movie started because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we're going to see Freddie right away. And then it was like, oh, it's just his hand and the hand is fake and you're on a movie set. And I thought that that was like a cool reveal and a good way to set up what they were going to be covering. And, and you know, it was like, oh, we're doing like these special effects and, you know, manufacturing this glove and, and these props and whatever. And for some reason we have oversized Chinese food that has a monster in it. <laughs> Don't know. I was like, why does he have an oversized Chinese food? Box? Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. All right. It's like that can of peanuts. Um, but, you know, you see like basically the whole family, this whole family is on set. So we've got um, Heather and Chase and Dylan. Uh, Dylan is the son. And and then, okay, this is the stuff at the beginning that I was like confused about for the rest of the movie. Because when Chase was describing the hand that they were making, he was talking about it being made out of like actual animal nerves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is that real? Or was that just like the dream part? Or was it a joke? See, I have so many questions. I think, well, it was the dream. But then like when like they did the reveal that he had been working on a glove for a project, a Freddy project that he hadn't told her about. And I was like, mm, they're making a big deal about this glove. I wonder if the animal nerves thing is a thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they were like, yeah, top secret project and all this, you know, special stuff. So I was like, okay, so they're playing God and they got a Frank in hand and they're surprised about it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, It like they were like, oh, look, it's warm, like a real hand. And they're starting to just like do other things. And then the hand comes to life and it starts attacking everybody on set. Mm -hmm. Um, And then and then it's like, you know, the uh, Dylan goes missing and Heather starts screaming and she wakes up and they're in an earthquake. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, is everybody okay? And Chase has a cut on his hand. But he's like, no, it's just from the picture frame. It's no big deal. You know, and she's like, but you had those cuts on your hand in the dream. Also, who turned on the TV? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Uh, and like they jump into the action pretty quickly because there's, well, and actually here's another, well, no, I don't think it's, um, it's another thing. It's the same thing, but you start to, you find out that, um, Heather is, is kind of unstable right now because she's been getting a lot of phone calls from mm-hmm. like a stalker, someone who's like harassing her and taunting her. And for some reason, she can't identify that it's Freddie. Mm, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's probably based in some some real life because people went fucking nuts over the Freddie thing. It was huge, so I'm sure she like for real got those calls. Oh, probably. Oh, can we just say how good Heather looks, by the way? Because mm. it's like been ten years since her first movie and they address that in this movie and she looks like the same she does that hair is great yeah she has really good hair um i i read some article and we'll talk about her hair later too because there's a specific thing i want to talk about with her hair but like um but like somebody called her a follicular legend and i was like that's yep yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely um but yeah so so it's like okay these dream fingers and these real fingers are the same. She's getting these phone calls. And then we start to see literal cracks uh, because in the aftermath of the earthquake, there are these, these large cracks going up the stairs that look like they would be like Freddy scratches. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, creepy. Um, And okay. So then, we meet Julie, who's like the babysitter, mm-hmm. um, and she seems cool and stuff. And she's got to be there because Chase has all this stuff to work on and Heather has an interview. Mm-hmm. And she answers the phone before her interview and like starts yelling at the person who's calling, like, leave me alone, you son of a bitch, or something like that. Yeah. And they're like, uh, I'm the limo driver, so can you just like not? Um, and she's like, Oh, uh, but you find out that she's driving to like a 10th anniversary special interview, um, for the movie, uh, and just like to talk about it again. And, and then she, she's like clearly distracted and upset. And then Robert England comes out like in full Freddie and like surprises her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said he like he does this a lot, right? Like IRL. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it was interesting, yeah. The whole crowd had like all this Freddy stuff and whatever. And and he's like signing all the autographs and she's just like in the other room. And I was like, typical. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she's so talented. She's a really good actor, and she's just like waiting to she's, leave. She's improved so much since the first movie. I mean, I thought her acting was great in this. Um, yeah. And she's just like, uh, all right, time to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, oh, I was just going to say, oh, yeah. So as she's, like, leaving the interview, she gets a call from New Line, and they're like, hey, we've got a new opportunity for you. And uh, I just want to applaud all of the women uh, in this New Line part because their blazer game is just on point. Yeah. It was just all, like – like fitted blazers and short skirts. <laughs> and I was like, oh, the 90s. Um, really interesting. Uh, so then you find out that 
like, yeah, this is when they're like, all right, Wes Craven's got a new movie. He said he's literally in the middle of the script and so are we. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, and then the phone is ringing as they're talking about it, but they don't answer it. Right. I don't yeah, think they he, do. Bob Shea does not answer the phone, which implies that they've all been getting weird phone calls. Yeah. yeah. And nightmares. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and this was, this was when he mentioned too, right. That like Wes said like, oh, I haven't had a, I, the reason I haven't, uh, called you is cause I haven't had a nightmare. Yeah. And now I'm having one. So let's like do it. Um, and so by the time Heather gets home from like, you know, the interview and the meeting, she hears her kid when she's outside the house screaming inside and she like runs to help him. And Julie's like trying to comfort him too. And he gets up and he's like, never sleep again. Yeah. This kid, I don't know. Um, if you know who this kid is or yeah, recognize him from other yeah, things. I do. I do. I put down, this is the kid in every 90s movie who was a kid. Oh, but he his, was, he's also the kid from Pet Cemetery, the original Pet right. Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Miko Hughes. Yeah. So he's already yeah. a pro at being like a freaky kid. And he did. Well, and he was in Kindergarten Cop. Mm-hmm. We can't forget that. Boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. <laughs> he was kid. in Apollo 13. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this is the kid who was like, I mean, he was just like the kid in so many like nineties movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was fun to watch him again. <laughs> Never sleep again. He was also in a movie called Zeus and Roxanne. What is this I, movie? That was about a dog, right? A dog and a dolphin apparently. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. A friendship no one ever thought possible. An adventure no one will ever forget. This is like the most 90s movie that ever 90s. Yeah. Like, that. there's like this adventure. Well, and it's Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> and oh, Kathleen yeah. Lynn, Like, it's just like, this could not be more 90s. Sidebar. Oh. Speaking of the most 90s and Steve Gutenberg, um, you can watch It Takes Two on Tubi. Oh, whoa. It takes two. Um, oh, my God. I haven't watched that in a really long time. It does uh, not hold up. I'm sure it doesn't. I bet The Parent Trap holds up a lot better. It does. Yeah. I like. I actually watched The Parent Trap not too long ago, so I'm, like, being, like, coy, but uh, <laughs> uh, I really liked it. Um I'm going to I'm going to just share one piece of gossip uh, and I didn't experience this. So it's going to come with all kinds of disclaimers. Allegedly, Um, uh, a friend of mine uh, met Steve Gutenberg once and said he was uh, like total dirtbag. What? Why do you you tell me this? I love Steve Gutenberg. She like, I mean, who knows? I don't know. She she couched it in a lot of like disclaimer. Like, I don't know. Maybe he was off one day, whatever. But it was. It sounded like he was like trying to hit on her, and and like she clearly wasn't interested. And yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird. Um, but you know, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe he's great to, maybe he just was having an off day. Everybody has an off day. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's something I've heard. I would love to, if you know anything about Steve Gutenberg, please, uh, contact Let us, us know. Is Steve Gutenberg nice? We want to know. We want to know. 
Oh my gosh. And I got into it and I, I talked about this on another podcast episode, uh, when I recorded a bachelor recap, but I need to talk about it here too. Someone was, cause we, I think we talked a little bit about Ellen. Um, so I'm in a, I'm in a bunch of like Bravo groups where it's like, but it's like, usually it's Bravo plus a podcast or Bravo plus an advice group or Bravo plus animal crossing. Like they're all like weird little subsection groups. And in one of the groups I was in, somebody was like, oh, LOL, like everybody's coming after Ellen because she's so mean. And they posted a picture of Gordon Ramsay. And I was like, excuse you, what are you even talking about? Like that that has no comparison. So someone who ha- who plays a complete character on a mm-hmm. TV show and everyone has said is nice in real life is your example for a man who is a monster when there are so many monstrous men out there and you decide to pick the one who's actually not terrible. Yeah. And also his son is a treasure. Look at his Instagram. He's just, I mean, he's such a nice guy. Like I've, I've, I've heard this from people who like have worked in the industry, you know, that he's like the nicest and that he's really good to his like crew and staff and everything. And if you watch him on like the kids shows, he's so sweet to the kids. Like he's just like, like so encouraging and if you watch his like bbc shows yeah you can, you can tell like it's not they're telling him to do that for the camera in america yes. and yeah in the in the bbc kitchen nightmares and all the um other ones like he's very very gentle yeah um and he just really he does inhabit a role for u.s audiences because we can't have like this kind and gentle british bake-off type um, demeanor like we love a bastard obviously yeah. it's like yeah you can't just have paul hollywood okay you need a simon cowell so yeah. and simon cowell that's another you know what i mean it's like that's the persona that they're going for so i was just i got so mad when she posted this i was like you're so and like a bunch of people came after her which was nice but we were all like you couldn't be more wrong and there are so many men who are trash Mm-hmm. So why are you putting an actual not trash person in your comparison? Like when you have all this trash to pick from, like, what is your problem? Um, and, and, and everyone was like, also it has been well known for years that she is the worst. Yeah. So like, <laughs> this is, you're, you're mixing up well-known information and, mm-hmm. and just serving it up in, in a way that makes you sound like, you know, like, oh, like this woman is being oppressed. Like, oh yeah, this billionaire is like, I don't know if she's a billionaire, but she's at least a hundred, hundreds of millions there. Um, I, I believe she's a billionaire because like, she, probably she, is. she did this like charming little anecdote about how like she hasn't uh, been to the bank in over like 20 years or something. Yeah. Cute. Um, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't feel bad for her at all. Like, if her career is over, she has plenty to live on. And if she doesn't, then she's bad with money and deserves to just struggle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, I don't care. Like, oh, feel bad for this billionaire who's friends with war criminals. Or, I mean, not war criminals, but war mongers. Well, yeah. Why with does Ellen people? always knock us completely off course here? I don't know. She just makes <laughs> me so mad. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that. Um, uh, okay. So the kid, yeah, so this kid's been in everything and and I think he did a pretty good job. And um they oh, so so you can tell that he's 
I mean, you know, in a lot of these movies, there's like the kid, the kid is tapping into the world in a way that's easier than the adults can get into it. Right. They, they seem to have like freer access to this Mm -hmm. other side, you know, classic poltergeist shit. And they're like having a little sleepover, like she's hanging out with her son, you know, under the covers and they're reading stories and stuff. And he's scared about like what's under the bed or what's on the ground. And um, she's like, don't worry about it. And he's like, it's different when you're not here. Um, Oh, I'm going to say one thing because we we learned quickly that he's having these nightmares, but the thing that's protecting him, or at least the thing he thinks is protecting him, I don't know if it is or not, is his dinosaur. Now, it's probably because he has a really strong imagination, right? I would assume. Yeah. And he, and he treats Rex like he's a real dinosaur in his dreams. So that would be why it would protect him. Um, but I am really sad because this, this movie <laughs> had a lot of like effects and animation and stuff and yeah. they didn't do any dinosaur shit. I, uh, yeah. Such a miss. Like they're instead, they're like, let's spend all this money on this weird underground temple with strange, sex statues that we're just going to gloss over. You're not going to see them that much, but are save- you, yeah. Are you telling me like, there's no market for like Freddy versus a fucking T-Rex? Exactly. I'm like, why didn't we watch? Why? Like, like let's make it like, you know, Japanese horror, like, you know, monster horror, like Freddy's yeah. huge and the dinosaurs huge. And like, Oh, that would have been so freaking cool. But it, it, it was a wasted opportunity for a really great uh Ray Harryhausen uh homage, I think. I just I just really wish, yeah, they had done something with that. And and you just get the stories through the kids, so it's like you kind of have to imagine it instead. But um they so so we know that that's like a source of safety for him. And of course he feels safer with his mom around too. And, and they're not, you know, he's not feeling well. He's very unstable and Heather calls Chase and he's like out on location working on like the effects for this movie. And she's just like, Dylan's not doing good. They have some weird feedback when they're on the phone. Yeah. That never, I don't think that ever happens again. Does it? It's just like that one time. It's just the one time. And he's like, all right, I got to go. My kid's sick, which good dad. Um, Good job, dad. (laughs) Uh, And he's just like, I got to go. And he gets in the car and you can tell he's starting to get sleepy, which is dangerous for all the reasons. Uh, But in this instance, it's because a glove is headed for his junk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I love that it's like it was kind of like shark fins coming up and down. You know, like as he was starting to fall asleep, it like rose out of the cushion. And then when he started to wake up, it like sunk back down. I loved that. I thought that was so cool. Um, But as soon as he falls asleep, because R.E.M. couldn't do it for him. (laughs) (laughs) Why did he pick that song to stay awake? It's just like, I don't know. Um, But as soon as he falls asleep, it's like stabby, stabby. And he just like gets torn to fuck apart. And and you know, runs off the road and he's, and he's done for. Yeah. Uh, but, and Heather wakes up. So then you're like, oh wait, that was her dream. Uh, okay. Phew. Right. Mm. Uh, and then Dylan's like, oh, Rex was fighting. 
uh, and I'm not sleepy. And he gets real creepy at this point. <laughs> I'm not sleepy, mom. And um, and she hears the doorbell ring and you see it's the cops. And, and Dylan's like looking around the corner. That's him in the corner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. That was just a dream. Oh, now I'm making the connection. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Smart. You, oh, you did it to me. I was like, why did they pick this song? Um, and and the cops are like, well, he fell asleep uh, in a driving accident. And for some reason, he also got ripped apart. But we're just going to say he fell asleep driving because that doesn't make any sense to us. Uh, and the kid it just like creepily walks away up the stairs. Um, and And Heather doesn't let it lie. She wants to go see his body because uh-huh. she knows what's up. And oh, was and I'm trying to remember now. At some point, was it when she was on the phone with Chase? At some point, she asked Chase like where his coworkers were. Yeah, yeah, because they um, because in her in the first dream, they they were the first to get attacked and die. Yes. So they just didn't show up. Like they like no call, no showed or something. Yeah, and she's like, "Where are they?" And he's like, "Don't worry about that right now. I don't know. Whatever. They're knuckleheads. Like you know, just like ah, that's fine." Uh, but they're still missing at this point. Yeah, and um, and she heads to the morgue to see the body. And um, I can't believe that there's no protocol <laughs> for this. It was just so weird. It was like completely torn up, open bodies, and she just like walks into this morgue, and she's like, "Hey." And they're like, hey, what's up? Can we help you? <laughs> like, We're alarmed that there's someone in the morgue. Um, or like, don't you think someone should have taken her down there? I don't know. It's a weird ass hospital. And I mean, not to say that I've ever been to a morgue because I haven't, but I would just imagine there's more protocol. It seemed like it. there should be more protocol. But I don't know. Buffy yeah, so just like, kind of strolled into the morgue, morgue when her mom died. All right, everybody, if you work for a morgue, can you please tell us what's normal? Because we don't know and we need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, please contact us at popculturediner at gmail.com. Thank you. And I don't want to Google it because I don't want to end up on any lists. Yeah, I so don't want to Google it. But if you work for a morgue, you're already on that list. So just tell us. Um, so uh, so she sees them. They, they basically needed her to identify the body. And, you know, they he pulls down to like the face and then once he gets to the chest he like quickly pushes it back up and she's like no I want to see the whole thing um and then he pulls down and then she actually pulls it down farther and it like in the in the movie earlier it looked like he had caused way more damage yeah um this was kind of the toned down version of it I was expecting to see like you know guts hanging out but whatever and and but she sees these huge slashes and she pukes and like freaks out and they're like is it okay are are you okay and she's like no no she's like yeah i'm okay (laughs) Uh, clearly not uh they cut to the funeral pretty quickly after that and um they're outside at the cemetery and they're about to lower in the casket and there's another earthquake and during the earthquake is this whole big dream sequence. So she like lunges towards the the casket and she sees Dylan in there and Freddie's like pulling him under and she's, you know, runs through this casket tunnel 
to try to get him. Um, and then her, and then Chase like comes briefly to undead life yeah. and is like, "Stay with me," and she's like, "What the fuck? No." Uh, <laughs> um, and she, you know, pulls Dylan out and like, you know, comes to, and it turns out she had like hit her head on the casket, and she imagined all this stuff. Or didn't, you know. It appears to us that she was sleeping. Yeah. It's all this stuff. Um, let's see. What else? Um, oh, okay. And then, oh, yeah. So throughout, this isn't the first time that it happens. And I forgot to mention it before. But throughout the movie, we see Dylan uh, watching, like, his mom's movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, like, watching different scenes and every time he's watching it, it appears that he's in a trance. He's sleepwalking. You know, he looks wide awake. But when she approaches him, he'll start, like, screaming and freaking out. Um, and this happens again. So that it happened, like, once early on. And then it happened again after the funeral. And he's, like, watching and sleepwalking. And when she wakes him up, he starts screaming. And then he's, like, chanting. And his nose is bleeding. And... This is going to be just, this is going to be just fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> fine. It's fine. Um, and at night, she's like trying to comfort him. I mean, you know, good on her for not being like totally freaked out by her own son. Instead, like, you know, trying to comfort him, even though he's terrifying her. Good for you. Yeah, he is a terrifying child. Yeah, she's a really good mom. <laughs> That she's just like, well, we're, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what the fuck? It's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's an interesting, like, question for me, like, on the eve of um, my mother, of me becoming a mother and yeah. watching this be like, would I be that cool if my child was creepy? I don't right? know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, never <laughs> sleep again. You'd be like, uh... Uh, you're gonna sleep outside for a while sweetie just (laughs) like you know it was like those uh, i feel like this happened on like oprah and dr phil and stuff like especially in like the early 2000s where it was like um well because it came after that wave of like we've adopted kids from other countries and didn't think about attachment problems and didn't really properly um get them help as early as we should have or maybe Mm -hmm. it was beyond the point where we could get them that help, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's like, and now we got to lock their doors from the outside. (laughs) Because otherwise they go and stab their brother in the night. And you're like, oh, my God. And they're like, well, we're figuring it out. And, uh, yep, we put the locks on so that she doesn't stab anybody. But then we also have to keep the camera on so that she doesn't stab herself. And you're like, oh, my Ah. God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, and they're like, you know, every day's a every day's a, a challenge, but we're making it through. And I'm like, oh, like <laughs> we're uh. on an adventure. <laughs> yeah, you're like that's kind of the way that Heather approaches that. You know, it's like, well, we're trying. Um, like, oh God. Uh, but he's she's with her son, and he's asking. Oh, this was sad. He asked her. He's like, why does God let there be bad things? And she's like, um. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I don't know. It sucks. Um, so he heads to sleep and she's drinking coffee. 
never sleep again. And uh, the next day they're on the playground and she's talking with John, her former co-star who played her dad. Yes. The late, great John Saxon. And um, she's like, I'm like kind of worried about this stuff. And they start talking about her family and like that her mom uh, had some issues and like some delusions and things like that um, and had to be institutionalized. And so she's like, so it's always kind of in the back of my mind, like I'm worried that that could happen to me or happen to Dylan. And like, I don't want that to happen. Um, So you kind of get a window into like why she's understanding what he's doing, like, because she like lived with something like that. Um. And she and while they're talking, Dylan climbs to like the top of the playground and he falls off the top. Like he's like on this like jungle. Like this is the kind of thing that would never get built after 1993. No, just never. You never build anything that gives a kid the opportunity to like climb all the way up above a rocket ship and stand like 30 feet into the air. That's just. And one thing I know about kids, if. If that is possible, they will attempt it. Oh, yeah. They are going to climb it. Like, I just, yeah, I remember I climbed the tallest things in my playground, but the Mm -hmm. tallest things in my playground were not that tall. Um, (laughs) Recess duty is a fucking nightmare for me. Not going to lie. (laughs) I can't imagine. That's got to be so stressful. I remember so many broken limbs from when I was a kid on the on the playground. Like, yeah. I still remember the kid who broke his arm off the monkey bars, you know, and then he was like a cautionary tale. Like, I swear teachers like gathered us up and like told us about it to like yeah. try to keep us from doing what he did. Um, <laughs> My favorite stunt to get us off topic for a second. My favorite stunt is um was like the merry-go-round. We'd always have like three of the fastest kids manning it, right? And um, so, and then I we would like stand in the end, and then just hold on just by the bars, just let like our legs fly into the air. Uh, that was particularly fun. <laughs> I had never seen anybody do that until like I saw it in like a movie or on TV or something recently, and I was like, "Whoa, that uh." Mm. And I and I my exact thought was that kind of shit might have flown in the 90s, but not today. <laughs> and it did. Yeah. <laughs> well, remember, like, I mean, you know, we all played like Red Rover. Red and Rover. And then it got outlawed. I remember mm-hmm. when it got banned at school, like with Pokemon cards. It was like no Pokemon cards, no yo-yos. Yeah. And no Red Rover. And I'm like, well, well, why not just take away everything fun? But we still managed to hurt each other playing Foursquare. Oh, yeah. So joke's on you. Oh, Bucking Bronco was a fun <gasps> game. Oh, my God. I forgot about Bucking Bronco. Was it the same for you? You had the tire swing and, like, they would just, like, pen- do a pendulum between the two um, yeah. planks of wood that <laughs> held the thing up? Yeah. Oh, my God. We yeah we would you you can find a dangerous way to handle any piece of playground equipment but yeah but like Dylan went above and beyond and he's like I'm gonna climb to the top of this um so 90s he, legend <laughs> yeah he like jumped off and Heather caught him and he's like God didn't want me oh my I was like that oh, was so he. sad yeah he's just like God doesn't want me and I'm like oh kid uh don't worry about it too much um. So let's see. Okay. She, 
Oh, so then, yeah, she calls Robert and he's painting and he's like, he's like, and like, he's like, oh, well, Wes has said he was like writing a script and he just got to the point where like, or he's almost as close as Dylan is reaching God or something. It was weird. I don't know. I didn't get that. And she was like, huh? And he was like, yeah. So anyway, I got to leave town. Uh, So I'll talk to you later. Yeah. And he like gets off the phone and you see the painting that he's doing are like all these eyes. And he skips town. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't get why he skipped town, I guess, because um, what would it matter where he is? I think he skipped town or disappeared because after that, it's shortly after that where you actually get to see Freddy. So they needed him for that. To inhabit that. If we're going by like the whole meta script writer is God theory. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. So like he disappears in the story to make room for Freddy. Yeah. To to, like disappear into the role. Got it. Okay. All right. I get, all right, fine. Um, (laughs) fine. I'm fine with it. Um, So Heather has another dream about the hand and she wakes up and she's like super pissed. And this is the first time I noticed how big her bedroom is. It's like a giant bedroom. Like, what do you do with all that space in a bedroom? Well, I mean, she's getting residuals and her husband was like a fairly successful set engineer. I know, but I just don't understand the point of a huge bedroom. That's true. I, I, other rooms I think are good. To, I don't know. Maybe I'm just doing the wrong things in my bedroom. Uh, acrobatics. I always, make, <laughs> I always make big bedrooms in The Sims. You do? They need like a little reading nook and like space to work and like space for their king size bed. See, I always do like a separate study. Oh. Yeah. I always do a separate study. So, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> that was just what I was thinking. Like, why why wouldn't this just be a separate room? Um, but so Dylan's chanting downstairs and he's got his one of his hands behind his back. And Heather's such a good mom. She doesn't even worry about it. Um, <laughs> and he's just like, you know, like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And she's like, uh-huh. OK, uh, can you, honey, um, let's not do that. And then he's just like. And he's got knife hands and just takes a swipe at her. And she's like, the fuck? Um, (laughs) Honey, what do you have there? A knife. (laughs) (laughs) Stop hurting me, please. You're so nice. Um, And he's like, never sleep again. Um, Oh, wait, no. So she wakes up again. So he attacks her and then she wakes up again. And then her kid's chanting still. And she comes downstairs for real this time. And everything downstairs is like in disarray. The house just looks like it went to shit. And he's walking around the stalker notes and he had arranged them. And he's like, never sleep again. And the notes spell out, answer your phone or answer the phone. Uh, And she answers. And here's another question I have. Uh, This one didn't make sense to me, but she answers and then her kid starts seizing and the phone also starts seizing. Yes. <laughs> so there's just foam everywhere. Um, that was a little confusing. Uh, I don't know if there's any explanation for that outside of it looks cool to put foam through a phone. Yeah. And we're going to do it for this for emphasis. Um So she takes Dylan to the hospital and – they're running all of these tests on him and like asking if he's 
had any seizures before. Um, and they're like, well, we're going to figure it out. Like, it seems like he's unstable, though. So we're going to run some tests. And I can't remember now. Like, I was, I was like walking around for a minute and I, not sure if I heard this right. Did, did they say he had schizophrenia or they were like testing to see if he had they schizophrenia? They were testing. It was a okay. possibility. Okay. So it's like, well, you know, he's like hearing voices and seeing stuff that isn't there. So, I mean, I guess it's like a pretty good guess. Um, but he kind of like is shut down. He's like not talking a lot. He seems like very shaken. And he's like, I need Rex. Like, you know to be safe. And she's like, well, you can't leave here until they run these tests on you. Um, but he's at home and he's, and like, this is like the thing that parents do to comfort their kids, right? Like, you know, only three more sleeps until grandma comes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's right. You know, home is right across the freeway. You can see our house from right there and you're going to be there soon. You've just got to get through these tests and then you'll be home and you'll get to see Rex and it'll be all good. Yeah. Our home, which is like <laughs> right over the 401. <laughs> yep, there it is. <laughs> There's nothing that will possibly go wrong by me sharing this information with you. I'm only saying it to support you. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like when, you know, it's like when you incorrectly um, define what a hand job is for a kid because you set it around them on accident and then they start using the word hand job in the way that they think it means and then they're an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> This like seems a, oddly specific. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, I don't remember if that was it. I, I was watching um, a couple weeks ago, I was watching the show, I'm Sorry. Uh-huh. And there were a lot of moments like that in there where it was like the daughter would ask questions like, mommy, what's a whatever. And then she, sometimes she was very honest and sometimes she'd be like, oh, that's too much, you know, <laughs> and like I got to skirt around that. Um, but then it's like if you give it if you give it a definition that it isn't because you just want to avoid that conversation because how how would you have that conversation at that age? Um, then you give the kid um, the idea that it's an okay thing to say because you've just put it in context for them that they understand and then they start using it incorrectly and embarrassing you. But I have never had I've never done that. I'm not a mom. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know that I've had to explain things to kids when they ask me questions like that though. Uh, and I just try to be as like scientific and and clinical as possible and as ask your parents as possible. (laughs) Um, so anyway, anyway, uh, so that's not from real life experience. It's just from my brain. So he goes to sleep. And, or they give him something to go to sleep. Yeah. But he decides not to swallow it. What a smart kid. Um, and he pretends not to sleep. Um, wait, why did I say, oh, why did I say Robert is out to sleep? I don't know what, what that meant. Um, no idea. My, my notes make no sense anywhere. Uh, but anyway, so... We find out so so she has another meeting with Wes, right? And then finds out we find out that Heather is the gatekeeper uh to keep Freddie at bay. 
So he wants to enter our world. He liked it. He, he got introduced to it. He got created. And now he wants to be in the real world and not just in the fictional world. And the only way to get through it is by going through Heather. Um, and she's like starting to read up on like what her kid might have. Like she goes home, she's starting to read up on it. And this was interesting. And this is like a sign of the time that this was created because she had like all those books about like child psychology and stuff like that. And then she had a book on AIDS. (laughs) Did you notice that? I did not notice that. Yeah. It was like, well, I wonder what my kid has. And it's like, it's like child psychology stuff. And then there was like a big book that just said AIDS on it. And I was like, I mean, that's not exactly what would, but okay. I mean, I know everyone was still kind of panicky in the early nineties. So yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, Uh, so she, so reading one of the books, she's like, oh, it's sleep deprivation. Like it's gotta be right. Like the, these are the reasons why he's seeing the things he's seeing. So he's not schizophrenic. He's just got sleep deprivation, but we know it's deeper than that. Yeah. Um, she finds out now, isn't this another instance where the TV turns on without her turning it on? I think so. I think so. And, um, we find out that, oh, those special effects guys were found dead in a field. And she's like, oh, fuck. Um, and then there's another earthquake. And Freddie comes out of the bed. Yeah. And is like, like, for some reason, she, oh, it's the reason she let him in. Or the way that she let him in was she was on the phone, right? She was on the phone with John. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to kind of forget what she's saying. And, and then he gets to the door, right? And then she starts calling him dad. Yeah. So it goes from the character and he starts calling her Nancy. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, who are you talking about? These people, I don't know. You know, and she's like, what do you mean? And like, there's a lot that happens right at this moment. So I'm trying to remember. It's like, also the movie's on. And you see her starting to say that like Fred Krueger did it. You know, he did, he did, he did all of this stuff and he answers after he answers her in real life when she says that to him, then you see it in the movie that he gives the same answer. Like basically like a, yeah, right. You know, Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, whatever. He starts to slip into his character and her stripe comes back. Right. Her stripe comes back. That was, I, I noticed it once she got into the hospital, I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) what happened to her hair? Um, There it is. And that was the follicular legend reference. It was they were just like she can rock that streak like nobody's business. Yep. Like that is true. Um, but yeah, so like around this time, she she like there's the earthquake, she gets attacked by Freddie, she wakes up, she still has the slash on her arm, and she gets to the hospital because she's like, Oh my god, I have to take care of Dylan because now he's not safe because I just let my guard down and he came in. Mm-hmm. And um she <laughs> Um, she gets there and she, and I mean, I was like, you shouldn't tell. Like, as soon as we met this doctor who was working with Dylan, I was like, don't tell her anything. Don't yeah. tell her shit. Don't trust her. Cause she's, cause she's going to think you're crazy. Like, don't do it. And like, guess what? <laughs> yeah. And so she's like, well, yeah, there was that earthquake. And she's like, huh? And she's like, you, and it's like, oh, just shut up. Just shut up. Don't say anything else. And she's like, that one that just happened 15 minutes ago. And she's like, 
mm, okay, do you want to sit down? Maybe we should talk. And she's like, well, no, I didn't. I, mm. <laughs> like, I was like, no, you did the wrong thing. You should just be like, I'm totally normal and it's fine. And I'm not seeing shit. <laughs> Uh, but she doesn't do that. She's just honest, like dumb. Um, and uh, we find out that Dylan's worsening and he's in an oxygen tent. And I don't really get that, but whatever. Um, it looks dramatic for the it movie. It does look very dramatic. I was like, what's the what's the medical reason he's in an oxygen tent? I don't know. Meh. I mean, I don't know. Do they put kids in those if they have like multiple seizures? Is that like, is that supposed to help? I don't know. I don't know I anything no about idea. epilepsy. So. <laughs> That was the only thing I could guess, but I was like, it's very strange because it's like you're you're evaluating him for like schizophrenia. He just had a seizure and now you're putting him in an oxygen tent. I just feel like there's a lot of different medical things going on right now. They're just throwing pasta at the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like remember that scene in E.T.? It was much more dramatic because everybody was in plastic. Yep. So we're going to do that. And I was like, OK, I like E.T. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, and this was fucked up, too. When the nurses came in and they're like, how is he? And the one was like, eh. and I was like, why would you do that right in front of the mom? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I was like, that's so rude. Like, so, so. I was like, <gasps> um, but anyway, uh, she's like sitting there waiting for Dylan to wake up and he wakes up and he like cuts open the oxygen tent and he's just like. I'm almost there. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? And he attacks her with like this brown stuff coming out of him. And it's just all over. And she's like, what? And um, and then um, like the doctor comes in and is like, we're going to have to cut him open like right now. And it's like, OK, hopefully this is a dream. Yikes. Yeah. Um, and she wakes up and yeah, she was sleeping and. And this sucked too. This doctor just kind of sucks. Um, but I will say you should still treat her like a doctor. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but she's like, well, I didn't want to wake you because I, you just seemed like you really needed sleep. So we just like moved him and we're doing tests on him. Even though, you know, you're clearly paranoid about losing your son all the time. We did it without your permission. Okay. Yep. Is that fine? Okay, great. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? Um, and then, yeah, I noticed the gray streak now and she goes downstairs to where like, he's supposed to be getting, like, it looks like imaging and stuff. And, and then like this nurse or orderly or somebody is like down there and she's like, you know, kind of snarky <laughs> and she's like, I'm looking for my son. And she's like, uh, so what, you know, like you need a pass. And she's like, I'm going to pass you right now, you know, and like get there. And she's like, you can't do that. <laughs> and she's like, don't care. And starts on the hallway. And um, you hear them talking about like, well, it sounds like this kid has sleep deprivation. Like, you know, this mom never lets him sleep. Again, right in front of her. Rude. Um, so she's like, uh, not true. And they're like, she's trying to get in. Uh, the babysitter is in the room. Yeah. Like she, she had showed up the hospital because she had like a weird feeling to Julie. She's like, I had a weird feeling. I just had to come here and like make sure everything was okay. And she's in the room with Dylan and they just start, they're like, we're going to shoot this kid up with tranks. And she's like, um, excuse you. Like I don't give permission and neither does his mom. Like we are not consenting to this treatment, which means like you, 
I'm pretty sure that means you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, pretty sure that that's the law. But anyway, uh, not a doctor, but pretty sure you can't do that. Um, but I, I'm guessing that their workaround was like, well, you're not a legal guardian. And she's like, we're starting to evaluate her as mentally incapacitated. So we're going to do what we're going to do because she can't give consent right now. Um, if if we're if we're actually thinking realistically, which I'm probably overthinking it, but uh, he so he's in the room. They talk about sleep deprivation. They go to they go to tranquilize him, and then she, uh, Julie's the hero in this movie for sure, and she's just like quick grabs the other syringe and like and and like had punched out one of the nurses. Yeah, fucking bitch, and like. Poof. And then, and then the other one's holding one. She's like, well, we both know what's in yours. Do you know what's in this one? Do you want to find out? Do you want to find out when I put it in you? And she's like, okay, I'm leaving. And she's like, yeah, that's what I thought, you know? Um, And she's just like, don't worry, Dylan, I'm here to save you. And Dylan's like, look behind you. And she's like, there's nothing there. And then here comes Freddie and uh, pulls pulls another in like innocent person up a wall. Yeah. It, it was very, it, it was a very bloodless homage. Cause I just remember in the first one, that one was just blood everywhere. Yeah. That's the one that I think about all the time. Yeah. Like I think, I think every, I, I would say everybody probably feels like that was the most impactful moment of the movie where you were like, Holy fuck. Like, I just remember the first time I watched that, I was like, Okay, okay, yeah. like that's not cool. Like, well, yeah, and this it was, one like, was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying that that moment was such like a great bait and switch because I think when I first saw it in third grade, up until then, I thought she was going to be the, the heroine of uh, the movie, and then mm. she was very gruesomely dispatched. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was rough. So so she's gone and then it's like, you know, Dylan's like, oh, shit, I'm on my own. You know, like, what am I going to do? And and these adults aren't listening to me. So, like, I don't know what to do. Um, and they come in there and they see it and they're still kind of like not getting it. Yeah. <laughs> Rude. Um, but he leaves and they're like, well, how is he leaving? Like, we just like shot him up with all this stuff. He should be sleeping forever. And this is the thing where I'm like. Heather, you need to be nice. I know you're freaking out, but you cannot disrespect a doctor like this. Where she was just like, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he sleepwalks. And I was like, she's clearly not an idiot. She has a PhD. You know what I mean? It's just like, what are you talking? You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I maybe this is a part of the movie where you should say, you fool. Um, this is this is the time where you should call someone a fool. Um, I just felt like unnecessarily harsh. I don't know. It's like she could be helping you. Don't just like yell at her and call her an idiot. I don't know. She well, is trying to help. I don't like the word idiot anyway. I've been trying to like replace words like that with different words. Like uh, potato is my new favorite thing to Potato's call Potato's good. I think yeah. if she had called her a potato, that would have been good. You potato. <laughs> <laughs> She, I mean, it's just like, it's like, if you had listened to me, you would have known that, but you were too focused on, on worrying about what I was doing or what I was thinking to listen to the actual things that would have helped you take care of my son. So that sucks and you suck, but she's not an idiot. Like (laughs) that's not fair. Um, 
So anyway, yeah, and that was like an official like I read um uh a book about um Rosemary Kennedy and they were talking about how like you know, back in the day when they didn't know what to do with people like Rosemary Kennedy, um that they had like different like based on your mental age, they would assign different distinctions to you. An idiot is like the worst one. Yeah. Um, And then it's like imbecile and then moron, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's just really interesting that those were like technical medical terms. Yes. (laughs) Back in the day, you're like, really? (laughs) Like moron. (laughs) Okay. Um, So yeah, I totally am with you there, but it's just like, yeah, you could have just said you fool. Um, which I, I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast, but I've talked about it a lot in my real life that I think it's really funny anytime someone calls someone a fool in a movie because they always say it like it's the most cutting insult ever. And you're like, that's so weak sauce. You fool. fool. Um, <laughs> and it's just very like it's fun and old school. So uh, at our house, uh, when we want to put put each other down as a joke, we'll be like, you fool. How <laughs> could you? Like, you know, like, oh, God. Oh, right to the core of me. You really you really got me on that one. Um, but yeah, so but so he's sleepwalking. And so we only have a little bit of time. He's on the loose and we know where he's headed. He's headed for the freeway because mm-hmm. <laughs> you told him to do it. You fool. Uh, you fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so they, okay. So (laughs) there's a freeway chase and she's, she's headed over there. Oh wait. Oh, that's when John turns into daddy is at that point. Um, after this, sorry. Uh, so they go across the freeway. She's trying to chase him. And for some reason they both make it across alive. Now, Freddie is kind of like dangling Dylan, um, at some point, like in and out of cars, uh, to mess with Heather and she gets all the way across uh, the freeway unscathed as well. She gets to the house and yeah, like John was there, right? For some reason he was yeah. there and then she starts talking and then he turns into daddy at some point around there. Um, but it's like he he's in the car. That's what it is. He's in the car. So she was on the phone with him before and then he came over and he's in the car and she starts talking to him and, and he's like, try to get some sleep, honey. And she's like, okay, daddy. And they're in the movie. She's in pajamas. She's like in an old outfit. Yeah. Um, and um, we find out that he didn't get home in time for Rex to save him. Um, you know, Rex is all effed up. Right. And so, She's like, well, how do I, how do I save Dylan? Like Rex couldn't help. Now I've got to go do it. And Dylan left breadcrumbs based on the Hansel and Gretel story they had been reading during mm-hmm. the movie that I didn't bring up um, of sleeping pills. And she just decides to take way too many, um, like four, I think four or five sleeping pills. What could go wrong? All you got to um, do is pick them up and take maybe two. Yeah, like I was like four is excessive, um, but she really was in a hurry, um, which is not how sleeping pills work either. Anyway, that but I'm really worried about how things actually work in a movie like this. No, um, but the animation, oh my god, um, there was some really interesting like effects and animation and transitions in this movie that I'm sure were impressive in 1990. I'm sure. Yes. They are not impressive now. Um, (laughs) But she's like going through this tunnel and it's like, it reminded me of like a ride at Noah's Ark. 
<laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where it's like you're in a dark tunnel and you see flashes and then it's like, <laughs> and you're like, what the, you know, like, and then you hear like drums and you're like, <laughs> like weird foreboding, and you know, you probably culturally with- insensitive, you know. <laughs> you're and like, then you what? come out with COVID. Yeah, and then you have COVID. Um, <laughs> and why are water parks open? Why are amusement parks open? Why are these places open? Anyway, uh, they're not necessary. We do not need to go to them. And she she comes out on the other side and she's in this like, yeah, weird, like clearly sex dungeon. Let's mm-hmm. not lie about it. Um, and you see these little statues and stuff. And um, she finds Dylan. And this is when they get into like the final fight with Freddie. And um, I got to say, one of my favorite parts was when he's like trying to eat Dylan and his mouth opens up wide. And it's just like. I mean, at this point, hadn't Beetlejuice already happened? Yes. Yes. Right? Okay. Beetlejuice was 89. Yeah. And like, and it already happened as well. Yeah. There's just a lot of like open up wide <laughs> stuff. And they're like, we're going to do it here too. Um, and. Well, I think he's already, he's like ate a few people or tried to eat a few people like that in a few other movies too. Yeah, that's true. I'm just saying it's interesting to see like these characters all have that like, you know, like the scariest thing we can think of is like your mouth getting really big. <laughs> like, okay, sure. That is um, 100% the reason why I was afraid of Muppets as a child because I was afraid they were going to detach their jaw and eat me like that. Now that. Was- that- Oh, go ahead. <laughs> that was a valid fear. <laughs> now, okay, but do you remember, okay, um, this was probably 1994 or 5. Um, these Cabbage Patch dolls came out and they could eat. They were like, oh, look at they really eat. And it was yeah. like you fed them these like carrot sticks and celery sticks and whatever. And they would be like, nom, nom, nom. And then they would end up in their backpack and you could like feed them again. And kids were sleeping with these Cabbage Patch kids at night and they, they were eating the kids hair. And like so bad that they like would rip the hair out of their scalp because they would just keep eating because ah. the mechanism wouldn't stop, you know, because it was like, oh, there's still something in my mouth. So I still have to eat it. So, and kids got, like, seriously injured by these Cabbage Patch dolls. So my point is you should have been more afraid of Cabbage Patch dolls. That's true. Well, I was was too broke. That that was an unrealistic fear because we were too broke to afford one. That's fair. (laughs) That's totally fair. Um, I luckily never had one of those. I I decided to spend my parents' money on American Girl dolls. Oh, you lucky bitch. Yeah, I even had Samantha, the rich bitch. (gasps) Uh, You're so bougie. I mean, I wanted Molly. (laughs) Like, let's, full disclosure, I wanted Molly. I I absolutely loved Molly, and I thought she was the best character, and I had read all the books, and I thought she was just awesome. But they were like, well, your name's Samantha, so you're getting Samantha. So I got this bougie turn-of-the-century girl who's friends with, like, a servant in her house. Um, cool. <laughs> when I wanted like hula hooping, you know, Victory Garden War Bonds Molly and I didn't get her. I was so pissed. You would um, be the only one who didn't who you probably would be the only one who wanted Molly over Samantha. Well, I would have traded any day. I hated Samantha. I was like <laughs> so annoyed. Uh, and she didn't even and Molly looked more like me. Like Molly had brown hair and blue eyes and uh Samantha had brown eyes and I was like screw that. And I was, anyway, 
Um, for more talk on American Girl dolls, you can listen to my other podcast. Just kidding. It doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. But I would do that. Um, so, okay. So she finds the script and she finds out it's like all about her life. She finds that out down there. And then she... And then Freddie shows up and like attacks her and and makes her like pick out snakes and she like stabs like I think it was an eel though right stabs yeah. his eye with like an eel or a snake or something, um, and there's just like all these different struggles and yeah there's like the opening wide and stuff and then and then she had gotten him close into like a, into a boiler or into a furnace and then he like takes out his fruit by the foot tongue and like wraps it all around her entire body yeah. <laughs> um, and um and Dylan stabs it smartly and then ends up like pushing him in and killing him. And not long after that they wake up. I mean the the final scuffle didn't really take that long. Mm-hmm. Um and she gets up and sees the script and that's like where Wes like thanks her like hey thanks for doing this one more time. Uh, I really Sorry about your husband. <laughs> yeah. So it, that's the fucked up thing. It's like, so if we, if we take it into like Wes Craven as God yeah. and he's controlling this, but he's making her feel at the end, like she has control. Um, Cause we would, um, if we didn't believe that we had free will, uh, we would act very differently and probably in like very destructive ways. Um. So he's got to make her think that she's got free will, even though she clearly doesn't, because he wrote this all and it was happening. He had written it before it happened. Yeah. Um. So that means he killed her husband and her friend. Yeah. So and those two guys, like he did all that stuff. Yeah, he's um, a monster. So just just want to make that uh, clear. So if you're talking about um, how Ellen and Gordon Ramsay are a double standard, which is incorrect, you could have said Ellen and Wes Craven and I would have allowed it. So there you go. <laughs> just kidding. He let people die because of his nightmares, okay? Um, but really, uh, go watch Stranger Than Fiction because it's great. And uh, very uh, very good mid-2000s movie. Um, very good mid-2000s cast because we've got Maggie Gyllenhaal and Will Ferrell and uh, Emma Thompson. Just fantastic people. So just go watch that uh, if you want to watch more meta stuff, because that's a very good meta movie. Um, What's our next theme? Do we have a next theme? I know I had a couple ideas. I know you opened up the document and then I got really sidetracked with stuff and I haven't looked at it yet. Um, I know we keep playing around with anthologies, possibly doing that. Yeah, we could definitely do anthologies. Another idea I had uh, was like... um, like, uh, what were we saying? Like weird female friendships, like uh single white female type of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and like heavenly creatures. Um, Which is like impossible to find on streaming. Is it? Well, I have a copy. Oh, okay. So I'll just lend it to you. Okay. Okay. So depending on how our schedule goes, you'll see some kind of <laughs> there will theme, be a theme pairing coming up. Yeah, for and sure. And you will know the, about it. <laughs> the themes have been very fun. So... But until then, yeah. you know, take care of yourselves, wash your hands, mm-hmm. and be nice to one another. And, and never sleep again. Never sleep again. Don't believe conspiracy theories. <laughs> yes. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>